Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast brought to you for the very first time from Tennis Podcast Towers, Indian Wells. Matt is here. Hello, Matt. Hello. Making his Indian Wells debut. How does it feel? It feels amazing. Yes. I think when you work in tennis or watch tennis, you constantly get told how amazing Indian Wells is and... You come here for the first time and you realise that everything everyone says is true. And yet at the same time, they're also probably, you know, words can't really do it justice. You need to see it for yourself. I am, I'm in awe at the, the physical beauty of this place. Yeah, and there will be a lot more on the amazingness of Indian Wells to come. David's here. Hello, David. David is making his Indian Wells return. Yeah. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it a comeback. And this time he's got grey hair because <laughs> it's f- 15 years since uh, I was here. And uh, I mean, yeah, trying to explain to my lovely wife uh, how lovely it is when she's in the snow in England at the moment is 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 not easy <laughs> and best avoided. <laughs> yeah, over the course of the last 24 hours, I sent a sequence of uh, three, what I thought were lovely photos of the three of us sampling the delights of, uh, of Indian Wells in the sunshine to my family WhatsApp group. And after three of these photos without reply, I then sent a sassy follow-up saying, that's quite a lot of smug photos now without reply. Uh, and I just got back from my brother. My fingers are too cold to type. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's where we've left things hanging on the Whittaker WhatsApp group. <laughs> so uh, sorry uh, to our listeners and to my family for being quite so quite so pleased with ourselves about where we find ourselves thanks to one location that have brought us here 
as a podcast for the very first time to sample the delights that this tournament has to offer and we are a sampling yeah they, they've they've brought the right people because <laughs> the, the idea i think is for to to have people who are having a good time and we are having a good time we are having a good time yeah we are what about 48 hours into this this visit to indian wells we all we didn't quite all travel together matt and i traveled together on the same flight and we met David in a plan that felt like it could only go wrong. Two flights scheduled to land at the same time at LAX airport. And they sort of did. And we met up with David as planned in uh, oversized baggage claim at LAX airport, waiting for your golf clubs to arrive, which yeah. they duly did. And then waiting to see if we would get a car big enough for them all to fit in. <laughs> Mm. And we did. <laughs> yeah, and it turns out the the sort of car that is big enough for all of our luggage to fit in is more of a sort of a mid-size RV, isn't it? It's yeah. <laughs> it's so freaking enormous. It it's a car so large they don't, they just don't make that car in no, England. It doesn't exist. I There's can't no market see over it. the roof of it. Mm. And I'm six yeah, foot seven. Da- mm. David <laughs> David was sliding into our parking space earlier and they had to they had to move the cones <laughs> to make it <laughs> to big get it in uh so yeah folks we are we're having a very lovely time aren't we yesterday was a sort of settling in day wandering around watching matt react to indian wells for the first time watching david soak it all in um i felt like i was experiencing it all for the first time kind of via osmosis through you both, Matt walked into the media centre and discovered that the uh, media seating on Stadium One is literally inside the media centre. And he just turned around and said, I'm never leaving. <laughs> it makes so much sense. It's so great. You you can literally be at your desk and watching tennis at the same time. Mm. I love it. And then on and the way out of the media centre today... I was coming to this. They're giving away free dates. I can't believe we thought we'd peaked with uh, wireless charging at the desk in Melbourne. What small fry that seems now. <laughs> yep. Now that free dates are free on the dates. table. Matt Fussman of the, of the New York Times was, was clutching two packets. Mm. Mm. And we've heard uh, all too well 10 minute version twice on yeah, the Yeah, Taylor Swift is being pumped out. I mean, it's like they really have laid out the red carpet for <laughs> us. Um yeah, it's it's been it's been quite a couple of days. Yesterday was mostly just settling in, getting our bearings, just trying to wipe the grins off our faces. And uh, today was media day, uh, where most of the top players came through the press conference room and spoke to us. And other assorted journalists will be bringing you the the best of our impressions. Is that is that overbilling it? No, <laughs> I won't be doing impressions of them, but but yeah, the gist the gist of what they said. We'll yeah. be um, we'll be breaking down the draw a little bit for you. Certainly, the highlights of the draw. The the draw that, by the way, has already started. As we come to you, we are watching first round action on our screen at Tennis Podcast Towers. It's Anna Kalinskaya playing Alicia Parks, and um, it's not going all too well for Alicia Parks, is it? She's having, in fact let's be frank about this she's having an absolute shocker i think she must be nervous she's 
she's panicking it, it's it's going dreadfully um she can barely win a match outdoors alicia mm. park since winning that title in leon anyway we 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 shan't dwell on the negative for too long there are, there are far too many positives to uh to to keep you up to date with including um a very exciting bit of news which is that we're going to have a new competition to offer you with a very, 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 very special prize. And I'm going to do a radio presentery thing here, David, and I'm going to say stay tuned <laughs> for more details of that later in the show. Yeah, that'll stop them that'll, pressing that'll off, keep won't them it? listening, won't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there'll also be news of um, of how you can... How you can meet us if you are coming to Indian Wells. There's no way to say that, is There's there? There's no way to say that without <laughs> sounding like an absolute tool. <laughs> so I've, I've said it and I'll be saying it again at Come the end meet of the us. podcast. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, be doing, we'll be doing meet and greets. Uh, <laughs> depending on demand, we'll either be doing meet and greets or standing, standing around. around. <laughs> standing around <laughs> pretending that that's where we just, just want yeah. to hang out. <laughs> Talking yeah. amongst ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so please, please come. <laughs> please come to the Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tours booth on the site at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. Look, we'll be doing meet and greets every day, um, subject to demand. <laughs> we'll see how tomorrow goes. Uh, they will generally be uh, early mid-afternoon every day. It might vary a little bit, but look, stay across our socials for announcements of exactly what the time is going to be. We'll also keep you updated on these pods, which we'll be bringing you throughout the tournament. Uh, we can tell you that our first one will be on Thursday. That's Thursday, the 9th of March. Um, this a time which may have passed, depending on when you're listening to this. But it's t- tomorrow as we speak. It, it's now, tomorrow isn't it? as we speak, Thursday, right. the 9th of March, between 1 and 2 pm. Yeah. Please, please come <laughs> and save us from humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, let's talk about some tennis. I want to start with um, a quote that Arena Sabalenka gave in her press conference, which was actually. The final press conference of the day today, um, she she came in at about 5.45pm. She was the last of probably about 10 players to come through the the press conference room. And the the quote that stuck with me, and this is another radio presentry thing I'm going to say, I feel like it ties in really well with what we've been saying and particularly what Matt was saying about the experience of coming to Minion Wells for the f- first time, which is that when something is so hyped and has such sort of status, it, it's almost impossible for it to live up to expectations, isn't it? So when that thing exceeds expectations, which I think, I don't want to put word in, words into your mouth, Matt, but I get the impression that Indian Wells has done that for you over the last 48 hours. I repeat, free dates. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds like winning a Grand Slam has done that for Arena Sabalenka yeah, as that, well, which was... given she's dreamed of it her whole life, for it to still be better than she expected it to be, which is exactly what she said, is is such an uplifting quote, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because it, when we started that press conference with me asking her about whether she feels different coming into this tournament. She's played it many times before. Now she comes in for the first time as a Grand Slam champion, her first sort of big... American hardcore 1000 tournament and she is 
the most recent Grand Slam title winner. And she gave a pretty measured answer, I, I thought, and she she said it didn't she said she didn't really feel different about things. But then at the end of the press conference or was it the actually no the end of the the question I, I asked her then does it give you confidence? And she said not confidence because to me that's a cocky word it gives me belief and and that is was my main takeaway out of that question but then at the end of the conference when you asked her about um sort of the experience of of being a grand slam champion her whole face just lit up like you when you see a dog it's unreal (laughs) yeah she's just I just want to be Irina Sabalenka right now. It just seems like she, you, you, you see so many, you see such a wide variety of emotions in people that win their first Grand Slam, don't you? And so often it's so much relief. So so often it's just, so often the joy is lost. Like it's there, but there's just so much else going on that the joy can be hard to detect sometimes mm. it is not hard to detect in <laughs> arena sabalenka she she cannot stop smiling mm. and and how happy she is to still talk about it it's mm. it, it's not like she's moving on to the next thing that's yeah, in so the past often there, that was yesterday this is today i've got to focus on every day at a time exactly and and yeah at the same time she said she wants that feeling again she wants more and I, that struck me as a really good balance between mm. absolutely appreciating it, but also, right, I want to do that again now. And yeah, I was, I was sort of filled with confidence, really. I know she doesn't like that word, but uh, <laughs> that is what she gave me about her, really. I just, I just think she seemed in a, in a great place. And I feel like the conditions here should suit her. I know it's a slow, it's a slow court, but it's fast through the air, isn't it? It's a little bit Madrid-like in, in that way, um, like a sort of fast clay court, um, which Daniil Medvedev <laughs> not quite That's so keen happy. on. Um, and when she won Madrid, she played that tournament as if it wasn't yes. play. Yeah. She just planted her feet. She wasn't bothering sliding. She planted her feet and she just hit those enormous ground strokes and used the the altitude to get the ball through the air. And and I think here she doesn't have to worry about f- foot steadiness, does mm. she? She can plant her feet again here. So I think she's going to be dangerous. Mm. Very. We've both picked her for the title, David. That's how dangerous well, we think she's going to be. Absolutely. Mm. Quite a big call when Iga Sviantek's in the draw, isn't it? Well, Iga Sviantek was the first player of the day that we spoke to. She came in bright and early at, at midday um, and was on really good form, I think. I, I asked her about... You know, the last time we'd seen her in the flesh, the last time we'd spoken to her was after her loss at the Australian Open to Elena Rabakina when she said those really insightful but quite challenging quotes about how she was now playing not to lose rather than to win, which is like the the world number one bear trap, isn't it? It's, it's like she had fallen into it. And I asked her whether she, you know, obviously her results suggest that she's gotten out of it, but... 
does she mentally feel like she's she's gotten out of it? And she said, yes. She said, I, I went back to Warsaw and I put in a lot of work to turn around my mentality. And and I do feel like I've, I've done that. Um, and as I say, results would suggest that she has. But then she also, within that answer, started talking about those results that she's having. And she herself referenced, she used the phrase too easy in reference to some of her results. She said, maybe a few of, a few of my wins have been a bit too easy. And I'm sure you had the question planned already, Matt, but you really picked up on that and got something, something interesting. Yeah. Well, I think we spoke, didn't we? When she did lose that final to Craig Sheikova in Dubai, the fact that there didn't seem to be a lot of resistance. And, and we did sort of speculate ourselves whether the fact that she's having these slightly, well, completely one-sided matches is actually then maybe harming her when she's up against an opponent who is sort of matching her level. So I wasn't quite sure how to frame that question. And then she sort of gave me the words by using the phrase too easy. So I just I just sort of asked her whether actually she feels like she needs some three-set wins, toughing it out, whether there's actually sort of more value to her in those sorts of wins than just thrashing everyone. And she pretty much said yes, and that is what she's expecting from this tournament. She's got she's got a tough draw. Um, I think Bianca Andrescu is a potential second opponent for her. Hadab Meyer, who's beaten her before. And I think she feels ready now to sort of play some of those matches. And I think she thinks that that will stand her, stand her in good stead because, you know, she knows that her level when she's at her absolute best is better than everyone else's. Um, but, you know, we say it a lot. Winning when you're not at your best is such a skill. And she also said that, She's got a long memory and she can remember last year she did that several times. She just needs to sort of get that feeling back again this year. And yeah, again, even, you know, similarly with Sabalenka, I have, I have no doubt that um, that Sviantek will find that. There was an incredible humble brag from her where <laughs> where she she... She was talking about the conditions, I think, in Indian Wells, wasn't she? And she said, it's going to be hard to break every game here. <laughs> Actually, I, I like, I do like her kind of lack of modesty about some of this stuff. And she doesn't do it in a way that is in any way uh, offensive. And it, it's always... I, I feel quite affectionate towards her when I hear it because... You know, it's a bit like Federer used to do. They say these things which they don't, they don't realise. They're not normal things. You know, you, you going and just destroying everybody and, and being immaculate is not normal. But to you it is because that's how good she is and that's how much in a rush she is. She wants everything now mm. and she, she just goes after it. And the thing is, I, I actually believe that she will benefit sometimes from these longer matches and yet she's got this ruthlessness when she's out on the court she's not never ever trying to mm. lengthen a match she wants to just curtail it and and she she's quite happy to beat you love and love and she did mention that i think after doha before dubai so sort of throughout dubai she actually wasn't feeling that well and it was actually yeah beneficial to her that she was playing short matches because that was sort of helpful for for the condition she was in 
Uh, and may, you know maybe that was a factor again in that in that final against Krejcikova. Wasn't quite able to play her best. Sounds like she's uh, feeling better now. And yeah, I just think I just think watch out. That be a, when when would that match happen if she were to play Krejcikova again? Because F- final yeah, that is a match halves. I'd be. I'd be very happy with that as a final mm. again. Mm. And equally, I'd like to see her play Sabalenka, but of course, yeah. that's only that's only possible as a final as mm. well. So we can't get them both. Alas, no. be quite happy to see a Sabalenka and critique of a match <laughs> yeah. along the way, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> We're not asking for much. <laughs> um, it was interesting. There was a, a, a Polish journalist in, obviously, in Shontek's press, but he was there in 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 all the other women's press conferences as well, and he was. He was asking each player which of Iga Świątek's attributes would they steal if they had the chance. And some of them didn't really like the question or tried to sort of be a bit vague about it. And others, Sabalenka, she, it was almost like she thinks about it all the time. Sabalenka is almost like she had the answer prepared. She, without skipping a beat, said, oh, her movement. <laughs> give, give it to me now. She said, "Pretty much." It was almost as if, as if, imagine me with her movement. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was imagine how good that would be. Whereas Coco Goff, I, I asked her a question about Iga Swiatek, which sort of, on reflection, I wish I'd phrased a bit differently. But I was trying to get a feel for how much in in well, in everybody's heads, I suppose, Iga Swiatek is, but kind of in particular Coco Goff's head because. She doesn't seem to be getting any closer in these matches against Iga Swiatek. Um And look, that's mostly because Iga Swiatek is so bloody good and Coco Goff is only 19. And, you know, I I afford her every bit of um, space because of all those factors. But that is just a fact. She's not getting any closer in these matches, I don't think, against Iga Swiatek. I don't feel like there's learnings that she's she's building on and it must be in her head a little bit and she was very eager to to make the point almost sort of trying to convince herself Iga Shontek is not on a pedestal I have to not put her on a pedestal she's just a player she's just a human being if I keep saying that over and over then she won't get in my head but how can she not be in her head and in everyone's head? I, I do think with Coco Goff that there is a self-belief that if she keeps on working as hard as she can, that she has enough room for improvement, particularly with the one or two clear areas of weakness, that she thinks she can catch anybody. And and I think that that's actually a very healthy thing. I, I think it is more that than her trying to talk herself out of an inferiority complex i think i think she just feels she's such a work in progress and I, and I think to some degree she is too i mean she's so young she's got an incredible attitude i just think that her her weakness particularly on the forehand is so glaring that i'm not sure it ever will be possible mm. to build a a foolproof enough stroke on that side to withstand what Sviantec does I, re- I think there's a real question mark there mm. over whether it is mm. even possible. Yeah, it was quite interesting because you asked to David about uh, conditions. Obviously, always a talking point here in Indian Wells, sort of, as you mentioned, Catherine. And it's funny because I never really think about conditions with 
with Coco Goff because, no. you know, she's kind of had success on clay, on grass, on hard courts. It's more matchups, isn't it, that you suddenly think, oh, that's a bit problematic for Goff, you know, that they could exploit those weaknesses. I think she can probably play her game wherever, but there are certain players who can always just exploit her weaknesses. And one of the big problems is that the main one is the world number one. And Iga Svantec, whenever she plays golf, has such a comfort level in that in that matchup. And as you said, without sort of big changes, I don't really see how golf turns that head-to-head round. No, I mean, to be honest, it, it has a bit of a feel of Federer Roddick or something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, what is it now? I don't know how many it is now, but they've never had a close match, I don't think. It's five or six, I think. Yeah. And yeah, they've they've been very one-sided. Mm. But And just, just the other thing on that came out of Goff's press conference that, that caught my attention was um, the point made by one of the journalists asking the question that an American woman hasn't, hasn't won here since 2001. And obviously a large reason of that is because of the boycott that Serena and Venus didn't play this event for so long. But, you know, we had Taylor Fritz winning last year on the men's side. And, you know, I feel like, I just feel like Indian Wells sort of should have homegrown champions in a way. It's, that is such a long, long drought. And the, and the long, you know, the, the huge number of great American female players that there are at the moment, you know, it would be pretty amazing if Goff could could win this tournament. I think that would be a really mm. big deal. The the other two women that we spoke to in press today were Maria Sakkari. Um I went to to her press conference asked her about um the Netflix episode that she she appeared in which obviously focused on her run to the final at this tournament last year and in particular about her the vulnerability that she laid bare in that episode and the fact that a lot of tennis players just aren't prepared to talk about those vulnerabilities because they think it could harm them on the match court, that it's sort of handing an advantage to to an opponent. And she, she said, I, I just didn't want to do it that way. She said, if I was going to say yes to to being in this thing, then full honesty was was the only way to do it, which I which I really respect. But she did talk about how, it's funny, you know, in terms of, results in her game I don't see much difference in, in Maria Sakkari this year to last year I'm sort of thinking her of her in in quite a similar way but she sees herself in a very different place mentally this year to last year I think I think it's possible that most of last year was a hangover from the match point squandered at, at the French Open in that semi-final in in 2021 um was 21 wasn't it mm. um oh the pandemic years what what a blur um and of course that's something that she talked about a lot in that netflix episode isn't it how you know she, what is it three nights she didn't sleep for i mean well you can tell us what that's like <laughs> david <laughs> that sounds like uh, david's like only three <laughs> Yes, a horror story. I've had those days. Um, now, I, I, I do, I do wonder what would happen with Maria Sakkari if she could fully conquer her mental fragilities and and anxiety and you know 
the way she kind of comes apart at the seams when she gets too uptight. And I look, it's the most human, normal, natural thing in the world to, to feel those nerves. But if she could find a way to harness everything she's got, I still think there's a, there's a, a better player in there than we've seen so far. So I don't know. And I, I, I want it for her because it matters so much to her. You know, when you when you hear Maria Sakkari talk about tennis, you, you, you're looking at somebody who's in love with the sport mm. and who's in love with the idea of being the best. Mm. And so far, as good a career as she's had, and she's had a really good career, it isn't what she wants yet. And, and so I kind of hope she gets that because I, nobody would love it more than she would. maybe Irina Sabalenka yeah I mean there are look there are loads of players that (laughs) that's the new bar I I do love the the appetite that a lot of these players have for it but with with Zachary she's she puts me a little bit on edge the way that sometimes maybe Sviantec does it's just this feeling that she Zachary wants it too much she Mm. she's so desperate for it she she then can't control it um, in, in those in those moments, given the type of personality she is, but be very interesting to see whether she has unlocked something. Any anything interesting in in Zachary's draw, Matt? Um, well, she's in the bottom half, so she's in with Krejcikova, Pagula, Sabalenka, Vekic, Bencic. So she's avoided Sviantek. Um, a lot of players there. Though, the British run takes it, sort of encountering of everyone else. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to put a positive spin on her draw. <laughs> right. Um, in the same half, uh, no, she's avoided Jabir, although I don't know how much of an avoid that is. I mean, the main the main question I wanted answered from Jabir's press conference was whether she's fit or not. Yeah. And what, what the answer I felt like we got was fit but not match fit. Is, like is, the the injuries healed, yeah. but she she's very undercooked in terms of practice and training and and, and matches. Yeah, it, and she sort of said that she slightly accelerated her comeback. Like mm. ideally, I don't think she would be playing now, but it's it's Indian Wells. Indian you Wells. have to start somewhere. Mm. Let's do it. I'm I'm fit, but as you said match fit is maybe a different thing i i didn't leave that press conference thinking on shabur was ready really yeah same i I didn't i didn't leave sort of worried that she was going to do herself further harm by playing here Mm. um but i i did sort of think depending on the draw she could be there for the for the taking um Mm. i don't know who might take that taking well, um, Azarenka is a, is a potential fourth round opponent. Well, uh, she loves it in Indian Wells. Absolutely. Mm. Um, and by the way, Zachary starts against Shelby Rogers, who was a winner mm, today, today on, that's, on Stadium that's One. That's not easy on paper, is it? Um, but, but by the way, uh, we were just watching Alicia Parks having got very heavily defeated by Callan uh, mm, Sky. That was not a good watch, really. It was a tough watch. <laughs> it, does have, it, having gone through quite a rigmarole in order to have that watch mm. yeah we, 48 hours worth of attempting to, to get the tennis on the telly yeah, anyway we, we finally cracked it um we, 
Have you noticed, Matt, that the differential in temperature at this place, depending on what time of day it is? I've just seen, I mean, look, it's been a gorgeous day today, 25 degrees uh, Celsius. What, what's that? Oh, no, 80 Fahrenheit or something like that. <laughs> Andrew Krasny, the, the on-court interviewer, has just been doing the interview wearing a massive skiing jacket because it is so cold. <laughs> Puffer jacket. <laughs> yes, serious uh, French Open night session vibes yes. the last couple of nights. I live in Florida. That yeah. sort of energy. <laughs> Everyone in the crowd looking very cold. The players. Do this. We watched uh, the the uh, mixed doubles exhibition that was on last night. The Eisenhower the Cup. The Eisenhower Cup. Not named after Dwight D. Eisenhower, the former president <laughs> of the United States, surprisingly, uh, which we discovered quite late in the day. Some sort of company. Some mm. sort of. Although maybe the company's named corporate after corporate entity. Him. Yeah, well, anyway, everyone was very wrapped up there and they, they, they had to provide blankets. For the, yeah, there was, <laughs> there was a very miserable-looking shot of Jessica Bagula. Um, it was obviously part of the contract for this thing. That if you lost, if you, you had lost, to stay. you had to stay on court. Because part of the whole, you know, USP of it is the vibe of... the collegiate vibe of all the players together in one place, which, which is cool. Um, but it obviously means that you can't have them all just disappearing after they've played their eight minutes of tennis so there were quite a lot of shots of defeated tennis players just huddled up in blankets <laughs> looking looking as if they're, they're looking at the watches wondering yeah, when it's yeah, time to go media day at midday tomorrow <laughs> um who won that sabalenka and fritz yeah yeah not not I'm a combination sure why they were playing together no. but it worked but, yeah yeah they seemed happy enough yeah 100 grand each yeah that, that'll help <laughs> <laughs> just um before we move on to the men one of the topics that was um put to pretty much all of the the female players today i think all of them apart from Svantec, was a players tribune article uh, that was published yesterday by denis shapovalov now this is not something that we had got wind of at all we didn't know this was coming um, it was to mark International Women's Day, and it was actually a really powerful piece by Denis Shapovalov, first-person piece, um, arguing for equal prize money in in tennis at all levels. He said, if we want tennis to be fair, the gender pay gap should not exist at all. And a lot of this comes from... It, it sounds like he's gone on a real journey mm. a journey from from ignorance to to massive awakening um and that experience has come through having a mother playing a huge coaching role in his development not just as a, a junior but during his early pro days as well and i believe she's still very involved and also having a girlfriend that is a wta tour player ranks outside the world's top 100 and it's you know he tells a story doesn't he of her what losing first round at a at a 250 or second round or winning a round and and him saying oh that's that's pretty good you'll get 20 grand for that or something and her saying wake up Dennis it's not like that for us Mm. um and good on him Good on him for doing this. I I was not expecting this from Denis Shapovalov. Um, and look, it, it's it's a no-brainer for me. I, there's a part of me that thinks we shouldn't be congratulating 
anyone, men or otherwise, for saying what's so bloody obvious and right. But equally, (laughs) so few people are saying it and proactively saying it. I think actually we could, we should be praising those that do to make the point as as loudly and clearly as 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 possible and to encourage others to to make it because frankly look I don't want to to point fingers and name names because I don't want to be negative about it but what the women had to say about it when they were asked today was disappointing really disappointing yeah there there was I think generally speaking it's just it's so rarely on the agenda uh, as a talking point, particularly f- for the men. I mean, it, it ends it ends up being let's wait until Andy Murray comes in, then we can ask, and then, <laughs> and, then, and then something will get said because he will always put his head above and and be prepared to go on the record and say that he thinks that men and we women should be treated and paid equally. Um, and uh, and as you say, of all, I think of all the people, if you were to look at the entire world's top 100 men, I think Denis Shapovalov would have been pretty low down in our estimation of people that would be about to do something like this. Yeah, the, the lyrics of Night Train are, are not... <laughs> it's not feminism central. No, and, and, and just his his general demeanour, he, he looks like he's delighted to be a tennis player week to week, pretty much come what may. He, he entertains, he gets very well paid... Uh, comfortable he, comfortable yeah and yet here he is putting his head above and and writing a piece ex, uh, exposing a, a view that he's he's kind of developed uh, over the course of time which is not going to go down well in the men's locker room in in a lot of quarters and he's going to get a lot a lot of if not vocal stick or people actually coming to him and, and objecting a lot of people out there will just well, they won't agree with him and they, and and they'll talk about him but there's a heck of a lot of people that I think will feel empowered and and reassured by that there is someone in the men's locker room who stands potentially stands to lose if if this ended up happening because you know how it might get end up getting equalized if it did it might be a, a sort of men's level going down and and quite right that he and 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 uplifting actually that he is prepared to care about it and 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 listen to both his his girlfriend who sounds like she's told him a few home truths and also just look inwards a little bit and and be prepared to not just be comfortable yeah yeah absolutely mm. yeah and actually i did sort of have a had a look through denis shapovalov's um social media just to see sort of whether there'd been any uh mention of this before because this as you said totally came out of the blue for me yesterday and i did notice that he was actually very supportive of the canadian women's soccer team who who briefly uh went on strike the other week over a um equal pay fight and he was very supportive of them a few weeks ago and you know I think that just shows that this this doesn't this, this just isn't just necessarily about tennis now. He's he he has a wider perspective, and I think that's I think that's great. And totally understand what you're saying, Catherine, about you know this should hopefully be 
be obvious and right thing to do, but with so few players prepared to actually speak up on it, I, I definitely think Shapovalov deserves a lot of a lot of praise. Um, and I, I'm really glad that that he's done it. And hopefully, you know, we'll get a chance. Others will get a chance to to ask him more about it and mm. um, find out a bit more about his his journey. <laughs> <laughs> We weren't expecting to be covering Denis Shapovalov's journey this tournament, but <laughs> but we're all in on it now, aren't we? His girlfriend is Miriam Miriam Bjorklund, yeah, yeah. Who, who was in the qualies here, I think. Wasn't yeah, she? lost second round of mm. of qualies. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I, I, I've been sort of internally speculating about what is what is the root cause of the the, the female players apathy about this and fr- frankly i think ignorance about the the landscape and the issues at play and i i think part of it is lack of education i do i mean billy jean king says there should be a rookie school there should be a rookie school they yeah, should I mean, they should it... learn their history i also think a big part of it is perhaps a defensiveness and a protectiveness of the WTA because I know that the WTA are largely responsible for, for the for the prize money that they offer. But I, do, I don't hold the WTA responsible for not being able to offer more prize money. I That's such a narrow way of looking at it. Obviously, the WTA want to be able to offer more prize money and equal prize money. They are not in a position to do that because of the patriarchy, because we do not value women's tennis as a whole, as a society, the way that we value men's, men's tennis. And we blooming well ought to. And there needs to be an intervention, basically, in order to, to equalise things from the men's side, and, and I mean, mm. you'd have to say the way Andrea Gaudenzi has spoken over the last year is encouraging in that in that regard, in that he has stated a desire for men's and women's tennis to stick together. Mm. And if they are, the more they do, certainly the more often we see equal prize money between the two. I mean, I do think that, that it's it's come at also at a time where the WTA have announced this um, this venture capitalism uh, ca- venture capital firm investing in the sport. Yeah, a, a story that's been rumoured and, and rumbling on behind the scenes for a little while now became uh, official yesterday. Private equity fund CVC Capital Partners uh, will be the Women's Tennis Association's commercial partner, and they will invest in the sport, taking a minor stake. Uh, in the WTA. Uh, Financial details not revealed officially, but Sky News reporting that CVC would own a 20% stake in the WTA for $150 million worth of investment with the firm set to establish a new company to oversee broadcasting and marketing operations. CVC has invested in several other sports such as Formula One, MotoGP, cricket, volleyball, rugby, and they've also struck media rights deals with uh, La Liga and Ligue 1, the the Spanish and French uh, football leagues. Uh, WTA chairman and CEO Steve Simon said this partnership with CVC brings experience a network and capital to move our sport to the next level, pioneering new standards for a more equitable and valuable sport. Um, 
this is a time will tell thing, isn't it? Um, It makes me anxious that 20% of of the WTA and, and, you know, power share, voting rights, all of that has been handed over. But equally, the WTA needed this money. I'm I'm not sure how many options they had. Yeah. They needed this cash investment. So I hope it works. I hope it's a successful partnership. I desperately hope it works. I've no idea if it will. I don't know enough about venture capital investments, enough about CVC. I wish it well. Yeah. Chris Clary from the New York Times, who's got a long enough history in the sport to remember the ISL deal in 2000, which the ATP signed with the Masters 1000 events, all nine of them, basically pooling all of their rights at the time and selling them to this company, ISL, who who then tried to sell them the sponsorship on all of them and then went bust, basically, and had to hand them all back and they had to go back to all of their individual sponsors. Um, and then more recently, we've had Cosmos's involvement in the ITF uh, and the Davis Cup. And, and, and it does make you anxious that... that an outside body is suddenly a 20% owner of women's tennis, the WTA tour. And you just want to see them do right by the tour. And But at the same time, the $150 million, if that's what it is, that's a sizable investment. It comes at a time when China is, is off limits because of, of well, a number of things. But most importantly, of course, the, the disappearance and and the concerns over Peng Shui, who we still don't know the the exact uh, whereabouts and and safety and and independence of, um, and the stance that WTA took over there. I mean, they've got the the title sponsor of Hologic, which is obviously has obviously been good news for them. They signed another sponsorship recently, but it's still uh, so much that they were looking to have to try to make up because of China no longer being part of their business model when it had been their business model until a couple of years ago. So, you know, good luck to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. 
Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. On to the men that we encountered at Media Day today. Is encounter the right word? I feel like I made that weird. Anyway. Well, we did kind of encounter them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I realised that I think this was the first time I'd been in a Carlos Alcaraz press conference. Yeah, me too, I think. Um, not, I mean, I've seen him play live a lot. Um, but I don't, I mean, I think all those events where I've seen him play live, I wasn't able to go to any of the press conferences because I was covering them for, for Amazon Prime, which is obviously quite a different role to to what I do for the podcast where I have the luxury of going to all these press conferences, which I, I really enjoy. But, um, God, he walked in and I was really struck by the physical presence of him. I know that sounds silly because we talk so much about the physicality of Carlos Alcaraz and how he's transformed himself into this colossus, but you still can't imagine what your reaction is going to be to actually seeing somebody and being in their physical presence for the first time. And I was was pretty wowed by it. And it was then sort of exaggerated because Daniel Medvedev walked in when Carlos Alcaraz was, <laughs> was still in the press like conference like a room. hot mess. <laughs> and we know yeah. Daniel Medvedev plays his best tennis when he looks like the total disaster. He walked in with that pirate facial hair, his head hair a mess. Rough and ready. Yeah, just mm. looking... And it was one of those things where we just looked at them and thought, how are these two people like playing the same sport? Sort of marveled at tennis that it's able to accommodate two such different specimens at at the top of the game. Mm. Amazing. I really wanted him to say, oh, it's the famous Carlos Alcaraz. (laughs) He more or less did. He pretty much (laughs) did. (laughs) Because he couldn't help but see... Alcaraz signing various autographs for the tournament. They'd got their big giant tennis balls out that they give a, you know, they auction off for charity and all those sort of things. And all the players sign them straight after the press conference on a little table out to the side. And it just happened to coincide the two, the two press conferences. And in comes Medvedev, big grin on his face the moment he sees Alcaraz. And he's like, oh. Yes, well, he told him to hurry up. (laughs) <laughs> get on with signing and then uh, the first question is always from the moderator and he sort of jumped in and said oh well, I guess the first question is how good is Carlos Alcaraz <laughs> <laughs> he um he was second only to Sabalenka I thought in happiness terms yeah. Medvedev he described him so he said I'm feeling high and yeah. I thought we, mm. we all are I, I enjoyed how all. he gave us the inside about how low he'd been mm. in in even in recent months that he'd arrived in Rotterdam and and it sounds like I mean his relationship with his coach Gilles Zavara has, has always been fascinating in terms of th- they don't hide how they don't always see eye to eye on mm. on the court and Zavara uh, walked out once didn't yes he? When, against Rublev at the Australian Open and when there was no one in the crowd he just <laughs> he just left <laughs> and he made it very <laughs> he was one of four people in the crowd yeah. packed his bags <laughs> got out of there oh dear there's another one gone 
there's another person we can't focus a TV camera on. Um, but I mean, Medvedev was very clear that he was in the mood to be very down on himself in Rotterdam recently because he thought he was playing terribly. And his coach was con- trying to convince him, no, no, you're actually playing quite well. And here he is now, three tournament wins in a row later. And, uh, and he can see it. He can feel it. All of those tournament wins, he kind of said, were different. He mm. felt differently in all of them. But, I mean, I'm sure somebody can is capable, and I, I definitely think Alcaraz is one of them, of playing tennis capable of beating Medvedev and winning this title despite Medvedev being in the draw. I just don't think Medvedev's going to throw in a duffer of a performance here uh, or, or in Miami. He looks so locked in suddenly to me. He does to me too. I'm convinced by all the same same things you're convinced by with Medvedev. I just don't know if these conditions suit him well enough. I mean, he did he did say the conditions in Doha are very similar to to here, and he said kind of thank good. He said that was one of the difficulties of and things he was proud of with that three. The, the th- three tournament winning streak he's on, he said, actually, he, the three of them had really different conditions. Obviously, Rotterdam indoors, and then he highlighted how different the conditions are Doha to Dubai, even though you'd think they'd be really similar. He said Doha, incredibly slow. Indian Wells, incredibly slow. But he did talk about it as here as being like a clay court and as much as we love clay court Daniil Medvedev because he's <laughs> a whole ton of troll fun um results wise clay court Medvedev mm. isn't isn't the best thing no no <laughs> and uh he even said he'd, he'd changed his strings before Rotterdam I think in in an attempt to play better in in slower conditions and it obviously worked for him over the, over the last three tournaments, but yeah, I'm I'm just not convinced that Medvedev's game and these conditions is a particularly good marriage. Uh, but Medvedev's form at the moment is maybe good enough that he can he can still make it work. So I'm very interested by him here. And he, in disappointing draw news, is nowhere near Stefanos Tsitsipas. It would be a semi-final. Mm. They are in the same half. It's not but Sitsapas, well, really talking down his chances. Full full disclosure: we did miss the Stefano Sitsapas press conference today because there was some very pressing lunch-related <laughs> stuff <laughs> happening. Um, but uh, I've, I've caught up on the quotes from his press conference, and they're pretty categorically negative quite frankly um, and asked about the, the the shoulder injury that he's been nursing the last few weeks he said I'm still in recovery and I won't be pretending that I have chances of doing well in these next two tournaments because that would be wrong I haven't said it a lot of times in my career but I don't think I will be capable of going deep the main priority is getting my body ready and fixed for the clay court swing um, he said, I made a deal with myself that I will not be skipping the next two events. I don't understand that. If, Me either. It's, unless I'm misunderstanding him. And, I, you know, sometimes that can happen in these situations. But if you if you think your you're, you're basically best chance is to rehab and get yourself ready and in prime physical fitness and form for the French Open and the clay court season, 
Why play these two events? He said, I need to take my time and have the right medical team by my side to help me recover to the fullest and not have complications like this in the future. Um, he said, we've seen it with some champions like Rafa Nadal, who've been struggling with injuries for a long time, but are still able to play at a pretty good level. A pretty good level. a slightly sh- shocking that quote that, that's sort enough. of saying, I want to learn how to play with injuries. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's... that's mm. I don't know. I, I think... Imagine if Stefano Tsitsipas had taken this month off, mm. got himself absolutely 100% plus fresh mentally going into the, 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 the clay court swing. It, they're the sort of quotes, and look, I, I know nothing about the specifics of Tsitsipas in this regard. I'm just talking generally about my knowledge of tennis and how it operates. They're the sort of quotes that make me worry about... Things you hear about players playing events when they're not necessarily fit and ready because of sponsor pressure and that sort of thing. And, you know, whether that is actually external pressure or, you know, imagined pressure or whatever it might be. Um, look, I don't I don't know, but I find I find those quotes a bit worrying. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have thought it's I think he's just addicted to being a tennis player and being the best that he can be at it. I mean, I know he's got other interests as well, but he is super dedicated to the sport and he works incredibly hard. But isn't hard. being dedicated to the sport having the restraint to stay away? Yeah, and, 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 and wasn't it him who talked about Holger Rune and him being yeah. worried about He said, oh, I see him. a younger, I see my younger self in him and I worry about the amount of tennis he plays. Yeah, and I, I just think that if 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 he is... Anything short of 100%, really, said Sipas, he'd be better off mm. having a break and getting, getting ready for the surface that suits him the best. Or maybe he's worried about his ranking and losing points. And I don't know. Don't know. Uh, Taylor Fritz has a lot of ranking points to defend this week, doesn't he, this fortnight? And he seems pretty confident about it, I would say. Yeah, I I really like this press conference from Fritz. Um, he he's a slightly he's a slight contrast. I always think Fritz. I think he has a lot of self confidence, a lot of belief in himself. But I always find him quite like he, he's quite shy. I think mm. he's quite shy in press conferences. I, I thought he was quite shy at the Eisenhower Trophy Cup, Cup. one of the two. Yeah, either, One one's, of them. either one's fine. Yeah, Great um, Ocean Road, Murray, Trophy <laughs> Open. I, I felt like he was quite shy there as well, and Sabalenka was bringing out some personality, but he was he was quite happy just sort of reining it in a little bit. Anyway, but he he does he is, there's a lot of belief in his own game, I think, and he he laid out his goals for the year, which was to finish the season in the top five and reach a final at least of a slam uh which you know are, are big goals and ones that I, I do believe he's capable of but he he knows that he needs to start performing in in slams because he hasn't been been showing up in those events um but i think the most the most sort of revealing part of the press conference was everything he had to say about acapulco and the sort of trauma that 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 he went through there 
horror, really. Matt Roberts made him revisit it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I made him recount in detail his full body cramps. Well, I didn't make him. He, he he was not he offered it up. not shy about telling us exactly what that's like, and it was horrendous. Mm. Yeah, couldn't keep any food down. Kept throwing up, body cramps, full body cramps throughout the night. Four hours for several he, he, hours. He needed to tune out now if you're eating, but he needed to rehydrate. But then every time he t- he said he couldn't go on an IV because of anti-doping rules restricted that now i need to look into that whether it can't be as simple as you can't have an iv but anyway obviously in this instance he felt he couldn't have have an iv so he was he needed to take fluids on board to hydrate himself but he couldn't keep them down so he'd be in just a vicious cycle for what would he say three four hours yeah and 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 you you were you were trying to ask him i think catherine whether he regretted it at all regretted not withdrawing not quitting the match given what it ended up being like and and he he said he's only ever done that once and that was in washington when he said i was seeing kind of seeing double against dan evans Evans, was it yeah Yeah, and dan evans wore it as a badge of honor that he outlasted Taylor Fritz, yeah. he loved that and, match. And, and and Fritz said that he made a promise to his team that if he ever felt like that again, he would withdraw. Right. And that was when he felt like that again, so he did pull out. He didn't say that he would. He'd made any promises to his team that if he gets full <laughs> full body cramps, he will be with like pulling out, yeah. retiring. Like he, his line, I think, is is such that he just feels like he needs to give everything yeah. and, and you'll have to carry me off yeah literally which i mean that... And, and that is such an you know we've talked about it the last couple of weeks that is that is such an interesting framing whether that's a good or bad thing and i just think s- stubbornness generally is is an interesting trait in mm. sport it can be it can be a huge positive and it is for him because his competitive instincts and he probably makes more of his game than than what it is really because of what a great competitor he is but at the same time it can it can cost you and he said he doesn't think that the Acapulco experience is going to cost him here he does feel fully recovered and and he's fine but it could like if you push yourself too far Mm. it can have lasting implications yeah look out for yourself Mm. Taylor Uh, that's it for your media day roundup we do have a few other things to round up for you though including the results that we promised to bring you from sunday's finals that we weren't able to cover in sunday's podcast including victory for donna vekic and david law (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say it david you didn't even give me i thought you were gonna go with pam before yourself (laughs) how many points do i get Heck of a win yeah, for Donna. I know. And Pam and David. Yeah. It was it was a fantastic performance and brilliant final too. Oh, and I've been meaning to ask you this whole time, David. Did you watch the final live? Because you promised to go to bed. And I think he wasn't you did. texting us if he was. He went, he went you went quiet quite early on Sunday night. Yeah, because this basically my plane was taking off at six twenty five AM, which meant a three AM alarm call. 
and the final was due to take place at it's about an 11 p.m star yeah 11 p.m um so i finished my packing at about 10 40 let's say that around that and i'm about to go to bed uh, and I'd been watching something that evening. I can't remember the what. Golf, I think. The golf. I'd been watching the golf. That was it. And the golf finished, or at least got to a point where I, I know who's going to win. So okay. And then I just sort of, I thought I just haven't looked to see if they're on court yet. And uh, so I, I watched the knock up, and then I got ready for bed. And I was, in, and then I, th- I thought I'll keep it on while I'm just getting ready for bed. And I just watched the first set. <laughs> so I watched the first set, and then I went to sleep. Right. Okay. And then and then I'd set my alarm clock and I thought if I set my alarm clock half an hour early and just press pause now on the on the, the app. We are such different people. David. I'll just pick I'll just be able to pick <laughs> it up while I'm getting ready, getting my last getting my breakfast and getting everything ready. And I did. And the I, numbers I, don't add up here. The gap between going to sleep and setting the alarm isn't long enough to get to sleep. No, I had four hours sleep, right? I had four hours sleep and then what well, and the the problem was Donna Vekic, playing brilliantly, wins the first set and then goes two love up in the second. So mm. I'm thinking, oh, this is easy. You know, so I'll I'll easy easily get this in before the taxi comes. <laughs> and then the comeback started, <laughs> and Caroline Garcia got five games in a row. She played amazing stuff, and this really was a superb final. And then the third set was was just classic championship match final set stuff where both players are pushing each other to the absolute limit Garcia was the better player for much of that deciding set I mean I did feel like Vekic was the better player on the whole overall over the course of the match but she was getting the chances Garcia in the deciding set but Vekic just would not let her have it and she has a I mean I think it was Pam who really drew my attention to the the capability of Vekic's serve I don't think I'd ever really grasped how potent that serve is when it works and she was just no matter how many break points she faced down she was just able to see them off with a good first serve or a good combination and there's grit there as well she just showed such heart and stayed with Garcia until that 12th game and then broke Uh, it was a brilliant brilliant match do you give her a chance here Vekic uh I would say no. I, I just think there are so many good players playing at the probably at the top of the games. You know, there there are there are better players in this draw than Donovic, Igor Svantec, Irina Sabalenka, Barbora Krejcikova. I think I don't. I'm not exactly sure what Vekic's draw looks it's like. Sabalenka, third round, I think. I mean, look, I do. I think she's capable of beating Sabalenka. I mean, she's beaten her several times before. When we came to that match in the Australian Open, I, I thought she had a chance, and I do here. But I think she'll eventually probably run into somebody because there are so many of them. And mm. also, we don't, we don't know what last week might have taken out of her. Um, Vekic is... I definitely think Vekic is somebody who can get to the second week of Grand Slams more than once this year. I think she... like quarterfinals in fact I think she I think she could reach a semi-final this year of a Grand Slam um, and I think she could reach a semi-final here she could reach a final don't think she'll win it mm. yeah I think that's fair but well done Pam yeah and sorry Pam <laughs> for writing you off Pam will be 
texting. We mm. we woke up to a text this morning from Pam saying, "Where's the podcast?" <laughs> but, I mean, Pam, Pam was a bit concerned when I picked Donovekic to win the title on day one uh, of Monterey, mm. and I she knows your reputation. Yeah, she knows my <laughs> reputation, and I said, "I'm sticking with it, Pam. I don't care what you think." Yeah, she wants Reggie <laughs> to stay well clear, well clear of Donna. Of Donna. Um, Marta Kostic won the Austin title on Sunday. That is her first title. Uh, she's still only 20, yeah. Marta Kostic. I was thinking, gosh, she hasn't won a title before. And then was reminded that she's only 20. She was doing things when she was 15, yeah. wasn't she? That's crazy. Why. And it, she's the first Ukrainian to to win a title since the start of the war. So pretty incredible and and pretty emotional, those scenes for Marta Kostyuk in, in Austin. So and, well done, her. And with tennis being the way it is, we're talking about a title she won a few days ago. She lost today in, Did she? in Indian Wells. You know, the, the turnaround is so quick there. And, and it's so hard to, you know, adjust and keep it going. And yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, it was an uncomfortable uh, trophy ceremony because she was playing a Russian mm. player. There was no handshake between the two of them. There was no mention of each other in the speeches. And I mean, I completely understand that personally but it was uncomfortable as well you know it's just it was just a little tennis snapshot of the world today Mm. yeah absolutely some more bits and bobs of housekeeping including the big one folks uh the 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 one that i trailed earlier on in the podcast here we go Uh, As you know, the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by On Location, who've brought us out here to Indian Wells to sample the delights of one of Steve Fogel's International Tennis Stores packages. And we we can vouch positively. Sampling, we are. Um, And as I say, we have big news for our US and UK-based newsletter subscribers. If you're a resident of one of those countries... And you subscribe to the Tennis Podcast newsletter. And as I've said before, and I'll say it again, <laughs> why wouldn't you? Uh, you can enter a prize draw to be in with the chance to win one of Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tools packages to the BMP Paribas Open for semi-finals and finals day in Indian Wells next year. This is a hell of a package, folks. Uh, but I can guarantee David Whitaker is entering as we speak. <laughs> uh, the winner will receive a three-night stay at a four-star hotel for two guests, premium courtside tickets to the women's semis, men's semis, and both finals. If you win, you'll also get hospitality lounge access with the daily happy hour. We have seen the lounge. <laughs> and we, again, can can vouch positively uh, the the lounge has a shuffleboard yeah. in it. We're into which shuffleboard. Is our new favourite thing. <laughs> You've never but seen by it. By Indian Wells 2024, I'll have turned pro. Catherine's really good at shuffleboard, I think. Mm. I mean, it's all she does. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. And there's, there's a sort of flamingo decor theme in the hospitality mm. lounge it's all it's a good time folks uh, you'll also get round trip shuttle transportation to and from your hotel and an official bmp paribas open gift pack not sure what's in that but if anything everything else is to go by 
I want one. What a treat. (laughs) Uh, All you have to do to enter is go to tours4tennis.com forward slash podcast. That is tours, the number four, tennis.com forward slash podcast before this year's tournament ends on March 20th and follow the instructions that you'll find there. We do just want to add that we know that while most of our audience does reside in the US and the UK, many of you don't and may be disappointed not to be able to enter this prize draw. We do understand that. And unfortunately, we simply don't have the legal rights to open it out beyond those two countries on this occasion. We wish we did. We're trying to find a way to encompass more, hopefully all countries in the future, but we can't on this occasion. And for that, we really are sorry. But um, good luck to newsletter subscribers from the US and the UK. What a what a prize package that is. And um, could be a bit awkward if, if my dad wins, but... <laughs> cross that bridge when we come to it (laughs) says David Whittaker Um, we'll remind you one last time that uh, if you're passing through Indian Wells tomorrow Thursday the 9th of March between the hours of 1 and 2pm local uh, that myself David and Matt will be available at the Steve Fogel's International Tennis Tours booth to uh, say hello to take selfies Um, general chit chat general chit chat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is, is that it, it's really near the live band yeah so, so if we're not if we're not, sufficiently it, entertaining if you're not enticed enough there yeah. are other options <laughs> uh and we'll be doing other meet and greets of course throughout the course of the fortnight uh there's the newsletter can i push it any harder than i already have there's a, a stat from matt in it there's our predictions in it Mm, there's there's all sorts of good stuff in there folks as there is on instagram yeah and if you're catherine's been flying if you're enticed by shuffleboard chat folks (laughs) then you wait till you see the the visual content we've got video Mm, yeah yeah that's all available on instagram and last but by no means least we have our mascot for this episode grace a five-year-old Saluki mix, and she is owned by Elizabeth. Matt uh, Matt made his mascot noise when he, we were sat at our desks earlier today and said, oh, Catherine, you're going to love this one. <laughs> <laughs> he says that every time. Every time. Uh, and I did love this one. Uh, Grace is delightful. A lovely pose for the camera. That photo will be in the newsletter. I'm not sure we've had too many Salukis before, so thank you. Uh, thank you Elizabeth for bringing Grace into our lives we have our mascots David's got Maisie right Maisie I've got Xenia and Matt has Darwin I delivered for you Maisie Billy Billy Jean (laughs) uh, who is not enjoying the snow back home has Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss we have our top folks and executive producers Jamie Hannah and Drew and we have shout outs Matt we have Anne O'Hanlon who is from Virginia they're all from Virginia. <laughs> all right, Anne. On, we do have a disproportionate number of we have a lot of from We have Virginia. a lot of people from Virginia and a lot of Catherines. Yeah. Hmm. Not all spelt the same. Indeed. Like Anna Bogdan. Anna Kalinskaya. Was Anne. Oh, no. I came <laughs> Oh, Sorry, Anne. <laughs> like my middle name. There we are. Is it Anne with an E? It's not Anne with an E. Oh, well, I'm not Anne with an E. Am I Anne with an E? No, you're not. 
Am I not? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. I don't think I am. I don't think you no, are. I don't think you are. What's this, Anne? <laughs> this is Noe. Noe. Oh, all right, Anne. Me too. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. <laughs> We've also got Paulie and Linda Owen in Brisbane. Hello, Paulie. Paulie and Linda. Paulie and Linda in Brisbane, where my parents used to live. Right. And, and they own Sweetie, a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. Oh. Amazing. Oh, Wheaton Terriers are lovely. Sweetie, oh. And like Linda Fruverteva. Yes, very good. Yes, although and- this is... Linda with a Y, but oh, a technicality I shouldn't have brought up because we won't be able Paulie. to think of another one. I, I, I don't know a poorly tennis player. I mean, I know Paul Goldstein, the Tommy American Paul. tennis player from many years ago. Tom E. Paul. Paul E. Tom mm. E. Yeah, see what we did there. Thank you, Paulie and Linda. And finally, we've got Ilia who is from West London. And I know that because Ilia is a Fulham fan. Oh. oh. Matt's got a grin like a Cheshire cat. Yes. Matt is on this trip. We're only three days into this trip and Matt's worn two different Fulham shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wore one on the plane for luck and it did not work. Yeah, we landed to <laughs> not luck from a Fulham point of view. Anyway, thank you to Ilia. Like Ila Tomljanovic? No. No. Good, no. good try. <laughs> no. Just no. Just no. As close, no. close okay. as we're going to get to it. <laughs> Thank you, Ila. Sounds like. <laughs> uh, folks, we'd better get the show off the road because Matt and David have a tea time of 6.40am tomorrow. Whose idea was that? Actually, I think it might have been Catherine's. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... I mean... That. I'm really into driving the buggy. Are you, de- are you definitely coming? Well, there's a bit of a TBC on whether I own appropriate attires to be allowed <laughs> onto the course. So it, it'll, be da- on, we, it'll be dark. We need no, to have a conversation. I'm not prepared to start my day by getting kicked off a golf course. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's gold Instagram content. <laughs> Yeah. Look, we'll have a we'll have a we'll have an off air conversation. <laughs> Tune in to our next podcast to find out if I got allowed onto the um, what's it called, the Shadow Hills. That's the one. Shadow Hills Golf Course. Please let me on if anybody from Shadow Hills is listening. <laughs> Give I'll, them a I'll free plug up, there. <laughs> up early for it. Anyway, thank you for listening, folks. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you to One Location for bringing us here. We're having a great time, if that's not entirely clear, and we hope that that continues. We'll be back in a couple of days' time with our next tennis podcast, and we'll speak to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.